Welcome to Talking Giants. It's going to be talking Eli Manning for this episode. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner. Coming to you with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And Eli Manning's retirement has been announced. In fact, you might have already listened to his press conference by this time, or you're getting ready for it. An emotional day. This is going to be the corniest episode of Talking Giants. Until Daniel Jones retired, honestly. It's a... one of these episodes where it's just super anticipated and as you get closer and closer to it and closer and closer to that press conference, it just gets more, more real and real that the guy you look up to, the guy who was your, you know, your football hero is, he's done. You know, we had these kind of moments in the season, you know, saying goodbye after the Miami game and when he was benched, but now it's like, it's, it's real. We know for sure. We know, like, we're just never going to put that number 10 on again with shoulder pads. And it's rough, Justin, because I, I, I want to let you speak here in a second, but he was drafted when I was in seventh grade. I remember watching that draft, and I, you know, I didn't know nothing about college prospects. I just remember it was Peyton's brother, and that meant, you know, Peyton was an amazing quarterback, so of course little Eli was going to be. I remember watching it on a tiny TV that was – was was uh was bulkier than it was big, and getting ready to go to the racetrack with my dad that day on a Saturday and telling him who my dad didn't care about football and saying we just got quarterback the Giants just got the the number one quarterback, and I don't know it's been a wild sixteen years since then Justin, Justin how are you, Bobby uh, I've tried to take uh, a celebratory stance. Uh, since Eli, since the news was basically broken, on uh, since we've heard that Eli Manning is going to retire, in all of my tweets and all of my thoughts, I want to celebrate Eli Manning. Because uh, I, I think that you know, in today's world, uh, we we don't celebrate enough. We're not in the moment enough, and to fully appreciate all that Eli Manning has done for this franchise, I think we need to celebrate that. We don't need to prove anything. We don't need to prove how valuable he is. We don't need to really prove or say much. We need to celebrate the man that he is, the football player that he is, and all that he's done for this fran- for this franchise. While this celebration mode, I think it's nice. I think it's trying to uh, shadow and mask the the emotions that I'm feeling that I that I may be trying to uh, put down right now. But uh, that's where I am. But uh, to, well, when we watch this press conference, Bobby, I think celebration is really going to turn into sadness. Um, that we won't be seeing this guy because you you said you were in seventh grade, 
um, when Eli Manning was drafted, I was six years old and I fully didn't even watch that 2004 season. I, my first football season that I really remember was 2005. I started going to Giants games in 2007. I went to every single home game from 2007 to 2015, I want to say. I've been to a lot of Giants games, Bobby, and before before this year, before 2019, Eli Manning was the quarterback for every single home game that I went to as a regular season ticket holder going across two different stadiums and two different Super Bowl runs. I don't know what it is to be a Giants fan without Eli Manning, much like a lot of other Giants fans out there um, as well. So I'm trying to take today, I'm trying to take this week to celebrate Eli, and that's where I am right now. That's where the brain's at. I want to celebrate an awesome career. I want to celebrate an awesome man. It's wild to realize how consistent he was and always being there. You know, I feel like we've had some kind of goodbye moments with Eli. You know, when he was benched for Geno Smith, that was an emotional moment. And then when he was benched for Daniel Jones this early this year, you know, he kind of realized that it was over. And then that send-off against Miami, which, you know, that that game was the game I was playing to go on to all year. To, like, just happen to go up to New York and, and go to Jersey for that game was cool. It really is so important to me that I could be like, I was there for that game. Like, I got, you know, I'll always have that video saved on my phone of, you know, him walking off the field one last time. But, yeah, I mean – I remember Kerry Collins as the quarterback, and you know the first Super Bowl I watched was you know the Giants and the Ravens. It wasn't really in the football, but I was like, hey, I'm a Giants fan. I'm supposed to watch the Super Bowl when the Giants are in the Super Bowl. And I watched it, and you know I remember uh, you know Kerry Collins, uh, the year we lost to the 49ers, when you know our, our friend of the program, Rich Soybert, was not called on a pass interference when you know that would have changed the game. We would have won, and then the next year, four and twelve, leading to getting Eli. And literally since that day, he was our quarterback until Daniel Jones uh, came came along. And it really did, like, having him there made it so hard to draft a QB. Because it's like, I don't know what life is like not doing that. And my brother, because we grew up NASCAR fans, and my brother became a Redskins fan because of Joe Gibbs. And he's from, and he's not from uh, – he was born down here in Florida, so he didn't have, like, that, oh, you're a Giants fan influence that I had, you know, being born in Jersey. And I was talking with him, you know, I don't know how, what it feels like to be a fan like you, where it's like, you just, you just don't know who your quarterback's going to be every Sunday or every year. And that, like, that, that is so crazy. Like for 15 years, every year we knew Eli Manning was our quarterback. I guess most fans don't get to experience that, let alone with two Super Bowls Correct. on top of it. Correct. Almost, almost no fans. Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning was with two different teams. So Tom Brady and Ben, they're the only QBs. And since, I don't know, since John Elway, to say, hey, I, I delivered you guys to two championships. Right, right. So, I mean, I, I mean that's that, may, that just puts them in elite category and Hall of Fame category on, on its own. And, you know, we'll we'll discuss that all in a little bit. But, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting sappy and emotional, which I'm, I'm, I don't care how corny you think this episode is. I, I'm cool with it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm rambling right now. <laughs> no, let me say this in, in regards to what you were saying, because this is something that I've always said about Eli Manning. Despite many people's criticisms and even my own criticism, if you were to go back to Bleeding Blue in 2018, uh, I was I, I never ripped Eli Manning apart, but I ripped the organization apart for the fact that he was that he was still here. I, I, I didn't think that he should still be here. Um, 
but you number one, there's two separate things, and I'll touch on what you touched on, Bobby, in terms of his consistency. And number two, what I love most about Eli Manning is his competitive drive and his competitive spirit. Bobby, to be frankly honest, I don't think Eli Manning wants to retire. And why I think he's going to be so emotional this press conference. Now watch. Now watch this be on old takes exposed right now. Um, he'll probably be stone cold, uh, stone cold faced uh, right now as I'm saying this. Oh, he's crying. But why? He's crying. But why I think he's going to be so emotional, Bobby? He does not want to retire. He wants to win, despite everything. Everything that this man was thrown. He was thrown the New York media. He was thrown years of terrible, terrible, terrible rosters. Even 2011. Now that 2011 roster was not good. That 2011 roster was pretty below average. You can get into all the rankings about how they were a bad rushing offense. Uh, they were a bad defense, bad defense. That defensive line was kind of a shell of itself with the kind of beaten OC and a beaten tuck. Um, you know, and they had a very good run in the playoffs, but Eli Manning was ha- was not dealt a great card in New York for his entire career. He was dealt a pretty good card in 2016, dealt a pretty good, very good card, you know, and from that 05 to 07, 08 stretch where they had a, you know, a couple years of consistent playoff appearances. 05, they made the playoffs. 06, they made the playoffs barely. 07, 08, they obviously went on to win the championship. But throughout his entire career, not dealt a good hand. Showed up to work every day. Never said peep. Never complained. He got hit in the mouth, punched in the mouth, all (laughs) constantly, 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 constantly. His competitive drive and his competitive spirit, no matter what you think about Eli Manning these final few years, you cannot deny, and I will never fault a man who wants to show up and win for his football team. Now, this is my question to everybody. This is my question to uh, every, every fan, every fan of football. Giants fans know this. I know that if you're listening to this and you're a Giants fan, if you know this, but if you have people who are particularly talking about, oh, Eli Manning, Hall of Famer, Eli Manning, not Hall of Famer, blah, 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 blah. Take away the rings. Take away the stats. Take away the interceptions. Take away all that. How many NFL franchises get to say that they had a guy who showed up for them at the most important position in all of sports? Bobby, you cannot deny it. Quarterback is the most important position in all sports. And for one By football, far. for one in for one football team, Bobby, one, for how long that he did and how long that he showed up and the abuse that he took, Giants fans did not have to worry about what we were going to be doing at quarterback the next week, the following season, this upcoming Sunday. It was not a question until the organization made it a question, at least. How many other organizations can say that for how, for as long as Eli did? Yeah, <laughs> almost almost none. You know, Peyton missed a year. Brady missed a year. Montana went to ben, a different you know, team. Missed a year. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a special thing. Like I, like I said, Giants fans like we kind of are the only fans who have experienced a career like Eli Manning, where you have two Super Bowls, you have a finishing four years that are are very frustrating. Like you said, the New York media is, is like they're they're jerks. And there was just never an issue with the media, you know? And and that always left us in, like, defense mode as Giants fans. Because Eli was never going to do it. And I partly me thinks that's why people feel so free to take shots at Eli. Because they know he's never going to say anything back. And to just, like, never have an issue where 
I mean, we've seen all our coaches. Coughlin's had issues with him. McAdoo had issues with him. Shermer had issues with him. Joe Judge is going to have issues with him. And Eli never did. So, and you hear stories and stories about how, like, he's, a, you know, just a good dude. I don't know. It's a, it's a special thing. And then, you know, the Super Bowls. Those are, like, the best memories of your childhood. I remember, you know, Super Bowl 42 and that whole run. I remember having my, my cousin, he would go and get some merchandise from, he got merchandise from the Bucks. The Cowboys, the Packers, and the Patriots. And he'd always just go and destroy it before the game. And it's like, oh my. I mean, you know, we beat the Bucks, And it's like, okay, you know, yeah, they were at home, but we kind of won that one. And that Cowboys team, though, was good. They beat us twice that year. Like, we weren't supposed to win that game. First play of Monty Toomer, touchdown. You win that game. And then it's like, well, hell, why not us? You know what I'm saying? And then we win that game. And then we win Green Bay when Lawrence Tynes missed. Like, we always remember Lawrence Tynes hitting the game winner. But Lawrence Tynes missed two game winners in that game. And he comes out for a third. No one's expecting him to make it. He makes it. And then going into that Patriots game, you know, maybe this is just me, like the dumb athlete in me, Justin. But partly because of Week 17 and that 38-35 game, along with, you know, the, the three playoff wins, it was confidence. I had, I had confidence going into that game. And, you know, the game is close all game. Randy Moss scores a touchdown. And then it's like, okay, what are we going to do? And, you know, they get fourth and one. And Brandon Jacobs pounds it right behind Rich Soybert. And then third down. And Eli Manning's tackled. He's tackled. He's done. And somehow he escapes. Gets that pass off to David Tyree. And then a couple plays later, we're getting Plaxico for a fade. And Ellis Hobbs falls on the coverage. And it's a touchdown in the Giants. One Super Bowl. I mean, let's, I guess we could just talk about that Super Bowl 42 for a second. I think you can't tell Super Bowl 42 story uh, unless you really do mention that week 17 matchup 38 to 35. Uh, I think that's part one of that story. And while you were pre- basically prefacing Super Bowl 42 and you said, call it, call it the dumb athlete in me. Analytics likes to say that momentum isn't a thing. You look at those seven giants, you look at the 2011 giants. How can you not say that momentum is a thing in sports? How, how can you not say it? <laughs> that's that's really that's really it's really a legitimate yeah. question. I understand it's something you can't necessarily measure, but how can you not say that momentum is not a tangible physical thing that does occur in sports, and particularly when you have a team that is playing as team with Eli Manning at the helm? But that 2007 Week 17 game to go back to that against the Patriots, I was at that game. Um, that is one. That is my all time favorite football game since I've been I feel like I've been going to Giants games for 20 years when I I respect the hell out of people that actually have been going to that actually have had regular season tickets for like 20 years I respect the hell out of those regular season ticket holders it feels like I've been going because I've been through so many tough losses I always like to say losing seasons blend in together but tough losses those are really the 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 ones that build your character and the ones that really scar you, you, you remember those tough, tough losses, the losing seasons blend in together. But that 2007 game, that is one of the greatest football games that I've ever seen that I've ever been a part of. Forget the result, forget why they were playing the football game, you know, with an undefeated regular season on the line and nothing on absolutely nothing on the line for, for the giants. That was one of the greatest football games that I've ever seen. And the fact that Eli Manning was able to go toe-to-toe, and they held the lead. They held their own that game. It wasn't that they came from behind, like we're talking 2011, fourth quarter Eli Manning. They held their own throughout that game. 
I mean, there were huge plays to Plaxico Burris throughout that game. You cannot tell me from that football game on that momentum is not a thing in sports when you evaluate this, particularly the 2007 Giants team, 2011 Giants team. And most of it just because of positional value and how important your quarterback is to success. You cannot tell me that Eli Manning at the helm was not a guiding force and leading the charge of that huge momentum that we had in both of those years. You can't. You can't tell me. Another word from momentum is confidence, and confidence is so important in sports. And that was why, like, people didn't get that game, that Giants-Patriots game. People just didn't understand it. It's like, okay, we understand why the Patriots are playing their starters. They're trying to go 16-0. But everyone's like, why are the Giants playing their starters? They're in the playoffs. There's nothing to gain from this game. And, you know, Tom Coffin's like, hell no. We're playing our guys, and we're going to come out there and win. And it came so close. And like I said, I'm the I hate the idea of moral victories, but that was a moral victory. Like it, that was the one game I can ever watch and say that was a moral victory because the Giants show we can come and play with anybody. And it was kind of like you know we've seen Eli up to that point do comeback after comeback, and yeah, and then it leads into a crazy Super Bowl run. Like that game, like you said, and it was like on a Saturday night. It wasn't even supposed to be on national TV. Um, it was supposed to be only on – this is when – Justin, this is when NFL Network had first yep, started. Yep, So it was only going to be on NFL Network. And then last second they put it on, I, I, you know, NBC or some other channel. Last second because they're like, we have to watch this team go 16-0. and And, you know, these were this was actually the MySpace days, Justin. I even remember because Brady and the Patriots were so good. But, you know, the thing was they never had wide receivers. And when they got Randy Moss, Dante Stallworth, and Wes Welker – I remember writing like a little blog on my MySpace saying like the Patriots are going to go 16 and 0. And like I remember the whole year bragging about that. And, you know, they almost had the perfect season once for the Giants. And we just don't – like they beat the perfect Giant, the Patriots. That Patriots, if they win that game, they are labeled the greatest football team of all time. Better than the Dolphins. Better than any football team of all time. And I would have been the first person saying that. But it's not because of what Eli Manning was able to do. I don't think people paid attention to like the game. They just kind of remember, oh, one lucky pass. When it's not a lucky pass, it was like putting yourself in that situation by breaking that tackle. By like talk about support, the O line just got completely blitzed on that play, and then makes that play the Tyree. Like, okay, you could say like it's a crazy catch and it might be lucky, but you know what's not lucky, Justin? Having a QB like Eli Manning who's just not phased. He doesn't get phased. He's like, you know what? It's the Super Bowl. I'm taking a shot. Whereas I saw someone saying he's basically Alex Smith. And in my mind, Justin, I was like, he's Alex Smith. Do you think Alex Smith ever throws that throw in a preseason game, let alone the Super Bowl? Get the hell out of here. That's the thing that people can't measure is that cold bloodedness. An interception doesn't phase you. I'm not built that way, Justin. That's why I could never be a quarterback. Because an interception would phase me. I might get pissed off about it and not be like, like all like down on myself, but just not phasing you. That is something you only find in a few guys. Only a few guys have that. And luckily we've got a new one. Like Daniel Jones seems to have that, which is unbelievable that we're going from one to the other like that. But yeah, it's just that cold bloodedness. It's so impossible to find. And the Giants found that in the 2004 draft. I watched Eli Manning throw uh, what felt like 17 interceptions 2007 against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, who, who were we talking about pre-show, Bobby? Darren Sharper? Darren Sharper. Darren Sharper, how he had probably like two pick sixes, 
two pick sixes that game. Uh, and he had he had, Eli had a quote uh, after the yeah, after the they game. They had the the Vikings had more points. The Vikings had more defensive points than they had yards in that first half. I remember that stat going into the half. So Eli had a quote after that game from the this is from the 2007 season. Quote, the post-game press conference isn't the problem. It's what's happening on the field that needs to be corrected. I don't get to watch film on my post-game press conferences. Uh, and I and you know, this was this was definitely the height of Eli Manning getting flack for being easy E for not giving the media anything. And frankly, that paid off. <laughs> it paid off the man's preparation day in, day out, year in, year out, never, never faded. Never faded. Again, I, I cannot fault the man and his competitive spirit and his competitive drive for wanting to show up to win. You you can't. You can't, Bobby. The abuse that that, that, that man took throughout his entire career, there has to be no other explanation other than he wants to win and he wants to perform at the highest level. I could never. I could never. <laughs> I could never do that you just talked about how you can never do that and that's something that makes Eli Manning stand out literally from almost almost maybe besides Derek Jeter maybe besides Derek Jeter all other New York athlete ever yeah and like you said and be, like being in New York matters it just does you know there's just so much more heat on you that's why Kyler Murray was drafted first but Daniel Jones was the talk of the draft you know it's just it yep. does matter and more so on the Giants and the Yankees than other any other teams like I know that will make Mets fans mad, but I guess it's just it is those two teams. They just hold more weight than really any team, any teams in sports. I hate to sound conceited, but maybe the Dallas Cowboys. That that's it. That's it. Yeah, it's just it's unbelievable. Do you want do you want to talk a little bit about Super Bowl Forty Six? I know we you know we have all the same memories, Justin. I will say one more memory from Forty Two. As I had just turned sixteen, maybe two weeks before that or so. Um. And so I remember literally just driving. I went, I just got in the car and started driving around the town, waving my Michael Strahan jersey out of the car, just just screaming. And everyone's like, yeah, you did it. You know, it's not like it was in New York. So it's not like it's everyone going crazy. It was just here down in Florida. But, uh, you know, everyone leaving the Super Bowl, their Super Bowl parties, and I'm driving around just waving my Michael Strahan jersey outside of the vehicle. I remember that one pretty clearly. Yeah, uh, I, have, I have a question. Yeah. I actually have a question for you. We talked a lot about the 07 Tyree throw. What do you think is the better throw? Which do you think is the better play? Tyree helmet catch, Manningham on the left sideline, and and eleven. The better play, the better play is the Tyree ca- the Tyree play, just because it's it's madness. The from the breaking the tackle, from the willingness to heave that ball up to Tyree. Not only like catch it'd be one thing catching it on his helmet, but catching on his helmet while Rodney Harrison, one of the dirtiest players in the NFL, he's voted as that by his peers like every year, is trying to fight that ball away. And Ty, like, like think, I'm telling you, do it to yourself right now. Just imagine you have a helmet on. Imagine holding that ball to your helmet while Rodney Harrison is trying to rip it out, and that ball doesn't. It didn't move an inch. And let me tell you a story. It didn't move an inch. And let me tell you a story from. The practice week that was the week leading up to Super Bowl 42 in 2007. I'm sure a lot of fans know this already. David Tyree couldn't catch a single ball during practice. I know. Tyree was not a big part of that team. No. And he catches a super he catches a touchdown. And then that, and I'll I'll admit, I'll admit this. Now I might catch flack for this. They asked, I think it was NFL.com or whatever, MySpace, and like vote on that Super Bowl MVP. 
I voted for David Tyree. Whoa. I did. Whoa. I did. I, I, I just did because, like, to, for him to have that touchdown ca- catch and that, I was like, man, that's that's unbelievable. But it, it rightfully went to Eli. Now, this, this, one, this one really pulls me because I want to consider that throw to Manningham on the left sideline the greatest throw in Super Bowl history. I, I, I want to. But part of me says that San Antonio Holmes in 2008, I want to say. It's Eli. While being pressured, while getting ready to get smacked on the sideline with, in double coverage. And wasn't it on third down too? Yes, it might have been. It's yeah. Just, to, to me, that throw, it just tops any other throw in, in Super Bowl history. It's, it was unbelievable. He couldn't, he couldn't have dropped that ball. Couldn't. It was impossible for him to drop that ball. And you know what's the crazy thing is I you know I remember you know going back Manningham had an issue on his on his go routes he would fade toward the sideline and they would tell him don't do that you're giving up ground and he would fade toward the sideline so people just think that's like just lucky like no that's like knowing your wide receiver it's I don't understand why people play the lucky thing when it's like no it's just like a beautiful throw like a perfect throw I don't know so and then Super Bowl forty six you know it's like okay back against the Patriots again. And beating them again, you know, Victor Cruz, a whole different wide receiver crew with Hakeem Nix and Victor Cruz. And, you know, the Chase Blackburn interception and the safety to start the game. And it's just like the Giants are the Patriot killers. It was like we're celebrating two Super Bowls. It's just it's like and it's just the height of like we'll be able to brag forever because we have Eli Manning who has won two Super Bowls. And it's like you just can never take that away. Don't let anybody take it away. If you're if you're on Twitter, if you're online fighting these battles right now, um, and you, and you have these people saying if you take away this, if you take away that, don't let revisionist history. The week that Eli Manning has retired, do not let revisionist history take anything away because he can't. Sorry, cry about it. Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless had the point, uh, some egregious point today that I wanted to tweet about. But I, I, you know, again. I'm celebrating Eli Manning. I'm celebrating the career. I'm celebrating the legacy. I'm not getting into that. I refuse to get into that. Celebrate the legacy. But you want to know what? Cry about it. That's that's my that's my uh, uh, rebuttal to all of you. All of, we had we had a talking giants uh, uh, post on Instagram get get around uh, thirty thousand uh, impressions <laughs> from various accounts. All those all of those accounts were not Giants fans. Um, so we had people calling calling me because it was a picture of a tweet. And it was basically saying the argument for Eli Manning being in the Hall of Fame, you put away the stats, put away the Super Bowl rings, is the fact that he was there and he was consistent. And give me another franchise in league history that has had somebody as consistent as he was like the Giants had with Eli. And, you know, you had people commenting clown. You had people saying, you know, oh, what what are we allowing guys to go into the Hall? What are we allowing guys to go into the Hall of Fame now because of participation trophies? And it's like, no, that's literally not the point. That's literally not the point. It's give me another franchise that has had this with the most important position in sports. And it's the same argument I said earlier in the show, but I just want to reemphasize it. Don't let revisionist history do this to Eli Manning the week that he's retiring. I guarantee you, Bobby, history is going to smile upon the legacy of Eli Manning in almost every single regard of his career. If there have if there have been so many years that have gone by that we're smiling on Brett Favre's career, we're going to do the same with Eli Manning. Give it a few years, this crap is going to end. 
Yeah. Um, I guess we can talk a little about that and then we'll transition to our voicemails. It's kind of sad, the state of like online and people that's like, and it's all click based and like, oh, and like, it's easy interaction. Like this guy retired and people's instant reaction is to go and bash him. I just think you're like a, a, a like a really weird person to do that. Like, and I was like, okay, like I was thinking of someone similar, like Troy Aikman. Like, imagine the day Troy Aikman retires and everyone's just like, hey, let's bash Troy Aikman. And it's just, it's silly. It's it's looking at, you know, the one, the raw numbers are in Eli's favor. But it's like, like I said before, when people are like, he's like, he's he's Alex Smith. It's like, are you kidding me? Alex Smith doesn't have balls like Eli Manning. That's the reason they went, like, they went to Super Bowls because of Eli Manning. He carried them there. And you know what? They wouldn't want a third Super Bowl if Plaxico were a shot. There's players on the Giants who have said that, including Brandon Jacobs. He said, Plaxico kind of screwed up everything. And you know what? When Eli had an offensive line, that group of Deal, Soybert, O'Hara, Snee, and McKenzie, the Giants were in the playoffs every single year. Just about. Just about every single year. They won yep. two Super Bowls. You know, the, the end of his career was not good, no doubt. But he had a very good career. And then you pit on top of that, that he won two Super Bowls. And then Rivers, like, had much more talent. Rivers had one, maybe one of the most talented teams to not go to the Super Bowl. Rivers, the end of his career, hasn't been nice to him. It's been downright kind of pathetic. Even when they went to the playoffs last year, it wasn't very, like, nothing special. If you look at the regular season, you'd probably say Ben has a better uh, career. And then Ben has the two Super Bowls. But look at Ben in the Super Bowl. I mean, he probably had one of the worst winning Super Bowl like uh, wins in that game against Seattle. I mean, the the, the Heinz Ward was or Antoine Randall that was a better passer than him in that game. <laughs> you don't hear people talking about oh, Big Ben was dragged. It's just it's just a weird thing like that people's instant like instant reactions to hate, even if you don't think he's going to the Hall of Fame. Like, why are you just hating? I, I just don't get it. I feel like people are just kind of losers. And the nice, the beautiful thing about Eli Manning is that he's not going to respond. And that's why Giants fans, and it's a weird thing, Justin, because you know me, and everyone that's listening knows me. I'm a hothead. I can make enemies with people. But it's like, you know, people that are even Giants fans, I can be enemies with. And like, it's today, it's like, I want to be your guys' friends. Like, people that I can't stand, like, we're friends today. Because it's, it's, this is all about Eli Manning. Yep. You know what I'm yep. saying? It's this Eli Manning, man, he brings out the like he brings the I feel like he brings the best out of Giants fans. I don't know. He really does. And it's an emotion I'm gonna miss is defending Eli Manning. I just invite everybody to celebrate. Uh, that's it. That's the that's my that's my big word. It's my key word. It's gonna be my word until at least I see Eli Manning crying uh whenever the camera I I, I mean I don't know if the camera's gonna pan over because Giants.com is gonna stream it. He is going to No, but cry. I want I want Coughlin to be there. And I wanna somehow see that Tom oh, Coughlin is there. It. I hope he is. I really do. I, I think Eli deserves I, – I think he deserves to have Coughlin there. Seeing how emotional he got, you know, Coughlin's, you know, Coughlin's press conference as he was leaving his, reti- his quote-unquote retirement press conference, I feel like they deserve that moment with each other. I, I, really, I really hope it does happen. Yeah. Really hope it does yeah. happen. That honestly gets me more emotional than anything is Tom Coughlin talking to Eli Manning like a son, and Eli is just that, that lip quivering. Uh, that I think that gets me more emotional than anything. Justin, do you got anything else before we hit these voicemails? Yeah, I, actually, it's something that I I wanted to to bring up. Um, I, I will make it very brief because we do want to get to these voicemails. Another case for Eli Hall of Fame. 
even though I literally said I wasn't going to do this, even though I said I'm going to just celebrate. But here, we're going to celebrate the fact that we're going to remember how clutch Eli Manning was in the fourth quarter. This isn't something that we talked about. This is not something that we talked about. There was a time, I would basically say, from 2006, maybe 2007. 2005, that Denver Broncos comeback game where they scored 14 points uh, in the fourth quarter, which that was kind of the game that started to cement Eli Manning as easy E in time, you know, in clutch time, fourth quarter. But there was a stretch, Bobby, from 2007 to really 2011. No, we'll even go 2012 because even that game against Washington with less than two minutes to go, that 73 yarder to Victor Cruz, um, that go route that he ran, uh, Eli put it up above uh, above two safeties, uh, two corners, one, one corner, one safety. Um, they won the game that way. But there was a stretch of time where we got the ball with less than two minutes to go. We were down by three. We were down by five. We were down by six. We were down by seven. We're freaking winning the game. There was no doubt. You felt more confident Eli Manning running no huddle out of Kevin Gilbride's offense than you did Eli Manning huddling up and actually having time to call a play. You felt more comfortable with Eli Manning calling, doing his own thing at the line of scrimmage and audibling than you did when Eli Manning would probably get a, a, a straight play from Kevin Gilbride. You felt more confident Eli Manning than you did Peyton Manning in, that, in those situations. Oh, yeah. No, and, you know, and I'm being serious. Yeah, I agree. Yes, absolutely. With less than two minutes to go, you know, Peyton Manning is the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback of all time. If we're just talking about, you know, uh, the ability to throw the ball, the ability to run an offense, the ability to run a system, the ability to make everyone else around him better. Peyton Manning is the best at doing that of all time. But Eli Manning, in those times where he needed to nut up or shut up and win a football game, he did it. And you had zero doubt, zero doubt that he was going to do it, probably up until 2015. So from that span, from 2005 to 2015, a 10-year stretch when he had the ball with it in his hands with less than two minutes to go, he was in a two-minute drill, he was in a no-huddle offense, he was at his best, he was most effective, and again, clutch, this is something else that analytics says that you can't measure and you can't define, I don't care, I, I don't care, because you, I, I give you Eli Manning as the exception to it all, I really do. And I'm not saying that just because, Amen. just because I'm saying it. All right, let's uh, let's take a break, and we'll get to your voicemails, including one from a current New York Giants player. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, Justin. Let's get in some voicemails. I think first on the list is New York Giants tight end Scott Simonson. Is that correct? That should be correct, sir. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Scott Simonson here. Uh, just calling to share my experiences with Eli. You know, growing up a, a hardcore Giants fan like the rest of us, I was at the game uh, when he first got his action. You know, what followed him through his whole career uh, was, you know, in high school when he won the first Super Bowl, college, playing college football when he won the second. And, you know, I've always just been in awe on how he did everything. Uh, class act, uh, you know, professional through and through, you know, never had a bad thing associated with his name. Uh, it's almost kind of like a, another New York sports legend, like a Derek Jeter type of, of career where they came in, brought championships, you know, set records and did everything the right way and were an idol for kids to look up to. 
Uh, and, and, you know, he then, you know, playing in my career and always seeing that side of him, how he did everything the right way. He had everyone's respect. And then playing with him, you know, getting the chance to play for the Giants with a dream itself come true. And then playing with Eli and just seeing, you know, experiencing that command he had. I was, you know, experienced a couple of those game-winning drives, caught passes from him. You know, he, it, it, it's it's amazing just how, just how, um, you know, good he really was and how much of a leader he really was. And then also finding that, you know, he's just a great guy. He's a guy you would want to, you know, grab a beer with, so to say. He's always cracking jokes, making everybody laugh. You know, he's just a good all-around human being. Um, and, you know, it just really almost, it just gave made it whatever respect I had, it just, you know, times it by a million. So I just want to say congrats to Eli uh, on a well-deserved retirement. You had a great career. It was fun to watch, and uh, I think he'll, um, he'll, he'll enjoy himself. But all right, guys, thanks. Well, first, thanks for, for Scott to call in. I wanted to have a player call in, and, and Scott was uh, willing to do that. I appreciate that. But me and Scott are the same age, so we have – you know, I was thinking about from his point of view where, like, we're the same age. Like he said, he was in high school when we won the first Super Bowl. We were both in college playing football when he won the second Super Bowl. And, you know, he was a Giants fan from Jersey. And then, Justin, imagine, you know, you get into the NFL and then you end up on the Giants. And your only touchdown catch is from Eli Manning. Like, that's – it's pretty unbelievable. Like, that, that like obviously, Scott hasn't had some, like, illustrious career. But, like, to be able to say that, it's – you know, amazing on top of being able to say that you've had an NFL career. Yeah, first of all, I, I want to echo what Bobby said and really thank Scott Simonson for calling in. Definitely did not have to do that. It's really cool to to just be in a position to uh, put put his name and put his uh, soundbite on my soundboard just to play it and talking about Eli Manning and echoing that. Uh, especially you, you grew up, we all, grew, again, I grew up with Eli Manning, Bobby grew up with Eli Manning, and to grow up as a fan of Eli Manning and then to step in a building, interact with him, Number one, you're playing with him. But number two, he probably spent more time talking about how Eli Manning is a great leader, how Eli Manning is a great leader. He's a great guy and just a genuinely a good human being. To see that side of him and to be honest, Bobby, that's what gets me all teary-eyed and that's what gets me emotional. The Giants put out a video on their Twitter account yesterday where they put a compilation video of all of Eli Manning's uh, off-field appearances in some way. So it was a combination of the funny direct TV commercials, Dunkin' Donut commercials, and all the stuff that he's done with his brother off the field, the Sports Center commercials with him and his brother uh, early in his career. Those were really funny. But then towards the latter end of the video, what they showed is his, you know, his work with that he does with kids who are sick and kids who have cancer and the work that he does with with that. That's the stuff that really does get me emotional. And seeing just how genuinely good of a human being that Eli Manning is and how he represented this franchise. He represented this city, you know, being a representation of who we are and who we want to be and what we want our franchise to be and being proud of the fact Joe judge talked about this in his introductory press conference, being proud again of the fact that we're putting on a New York football giants Jersey and that we're rooting for this team. Eli Manning made us proud that we were giants fans and Scott Simonson definitely did echo all of those things about how he was a professional through and through, um, along with, obviously, his ability on the field as well. Yeah, and there's one more point I want to make, and we won't spend this much time on each voicemail. But from the teammate point of view, those guys, that offensive line who, you know, second to Eli are like my football heroes, you know, from David Deal 
Uh, I'll say all their names because they deserve it. David Deal, Rich Soybert, Sean O'Hara, Chris Nee, and Kareem McKenzie. Like, those guys love Eli. Brandon Jacobs, like, they love Eli. Strahan, Tuck, O.C. Uh, like, that, that team, they they just love Eli with a passion. I, I think it's almost because, like, they were kind of these vets and, you know, somewhere close to his age. But, like, like Brandon Jacobs didn't have, like, he comes from, like, a, 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 a different background. Plax, we know his history. Um, like, it was just, like, this this group of, like, ragtag, tough-ass dudes and their little brother quarterback. And, like, and little brother, like, stepped up to the moment and won them a Super Bowl. And it's, like, I know, like I said, maybe the Packers have this kind of, like, feeling with, you know, the guys who played with Favre and stuff like that. But I just think that's something special to the New York Giants that, like, yeah, like, he won two Super Bowls. But if you isolate that 2007-2008 Super Bowl, like, this is a, a very special group. And I shared the quote from Rich Soybert that those guys, like, they loved each other, that they get together all the time. You see it throughout the season. Every year, like, like three, four times a year, you see Sean O'Hara um, and Rich Soybert, and then sometimes David Deal with them, or Kareem McKenzie will be up there. And, like, and, and Rich, like, Rich, and he's somebody I, I will throw out ideas at and be like, hey, what do you think of this blocking scheme? You know, he was, he shared a, a photo of they're taking a picture and Sean O'Hara nut taps him. Like that group was so special. I just don't know how many like teams get to experience that kind of a family. Absolutely, absolutely. Shall we go on to the next voicemail? Yeah, next one. Well, we won't spend as much time on these other ones, although they're great. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Justin. Love the show. Giants fan here from Maine. Has there ever been a player in their career that has made you? just as excited as they have frustrated. That's Eli in a nutshell. Well, most people were dreading going to work Monday after the Super Bowl. On two occasions, he sent me out my door, smiling ear to ear. Couldn't wait to run into all my friends and coworkers. Two of the best moments you ever could ever have. Good luck, Eli. Love you for everything you did. Go Giants! Beautifully said. Uh, that I heard that I heard that. You know, I have the chance to listen over these voicemails before we record, uh, and that that was absolutely just beautifully said. Think of how unique this career has been. The fact that we are now able to look back at games like the 2007 Vikings game. Where Eli Manning threw six, four, four. I can't even remember the exact number. It, it feels like it was ten interceptions in one game, and five of them were pick sixes. And you know the thing is, is that we're able to laugh at that, and that's something. Guess what? No matter how much people want to devalue that, no matter how much people want to point out those games, guess what? You cannot take away the two Super Bowls. You cannot take away the two days where we had the greatest days of our lives. You can't, can't take it away. Um, and that's I. You can't have Eli. You can't have Eli Manning's career without those times, without those uh, the frustrating times where you want to tear out your freaking hair with the fact that what is this guy doing? Why is this guy throwing the ball off the back of his foot? Why is he throwing into double coverage? You can't have Eli Manning without those moments. I'm sorry, you can't. Guy wasn't perfect, but he was us. He was a giant. He was a hard worker. You knew that he was going to show up to work. He was Eli. He was easy, and no matter what. He was going to get over it. He was going to rise above it, and he always has, and he always will. Yeah, easy, the cold-blooded killer. And by the way, say hi to my friends. They're going up to Madawaska, Maine. 
for a little fishing trip in a couple of weeks. Yeah, he said it, he said it perfectly. Going into work or school for you know those Mondays were like I just cannot I can't wait to be so proud of my Giants. Next voicemail, Justin. Next voicemail, Topher Pete, friend of the show. Hey, hey guys, it's your boy here, Topher Pete. Uh, wow, Eli Manning means everything, man. Uh, I've been a Giants fan since I was eight years old. I'm 41 now. Um, I had season tickets for my first time ever. You give me 60 seconds to sum up Eli, it's almost impossible. I mean, he made my nephew a longtime Giants fan when he beat Denver with the walk-off to Bonnie Toomer. I mean, just being the Iron Man that he was. But my favorite memory had to be the game against San Francisco where they just kept beating him up. He played coming off the flu. He just kept getting back up, and he did what he had to do to carry us to the Super Bowl and win us the Super Bowl. Not only one, he won us two. Two-time Super Bowl MVP. Only five people ever did that. He's a great guy. He's a great leader. He's been an awesome person to, like, just watch. I never missed a game, and uh, I'm truly thankful for Eli, and I was I was there. I got to hang out with you guys, and that was awesome, and we watched him walk off with a win, and that was his last game, and he was just a great dude, and uh, I appreciate Eli Manning. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one. First of all, thanks, Topher Pete. Man, he has been a supporter from day one. He's he's, he's the man. He's, he's paid for beers for us. He's, he's hosted us. He's, he's the dude. Yeah, man, that San Francisco game, it, it always just rings close because, you know, the Super Bowls, you kind of want to find – everyone wants to find a different memory other than the Super Bowls because, you know, that's that's like the common one we all share. Man, San Fran seems to be that one for a lot of people just because that beating he took. I mean, for the people who like like to say the self – like, you know, make the self-sack jokes, it's just like, man, look at that. Watch that game. Watch that game, man. That's not who Eli was. That game against San Francisco is who he was. Like, that game is just – it's unreal. In fact, I want to go and make a compilation of every hit from that game. I don't think it's going to fit on Twitter, but I want to do it. <laughs> Yeah, it may not fit in the two two minutes and twenty second format. May have to make it a YouTube video. Um, but I something that came out of uh, Topher Pete's email, and yeah, I also again I want to echo Bobby. Topher Pete's awesome. He's been a supporter of uh of both Talking Giants and a show that I've had Bleeding Blue for quite a while. So thank you, Topher Pete, for being an awesome guy. Shout out to you. But something that he brought up in his email, uh, email something that he brought up in his voicemail that I wanna that I wanna echo, and something that I thought of. The presence of Eli Manning and the and again I will talk about the man that he is, the competitor that he is. It made you more of a fan of the Giants. It made you root for the team that much more because you knew that the guy that had the, that was in the position, the most important position in all of sports, and that this guy was the franchise. It made you root for the team that much harder. The fact that we had this guy, this personality, somebody that did match the people in this area, you know, the, the the beatings that he did take, like Bobby said, and like Topher Pete said, he made you want to root for this team more. Am I is I am I am I really taking that? Am I am I stretching that a little bit here? No, I mean he really did. It's like you like like you root for Eli just as much as you do the Giants. Um, that's why like having him in a different uniform would have just been like uh, wouldn't have been kosher. All right, we shall go to the next voicemail. This is from All Things Giants. Uh, All Things Giants has been, uh, that's his Twitter handle. Oh, no, no, his Twitter handle is at Giants Things, but his name on Twitter is All Things Giants. Um, he's been a really big supporter of both Talking Giants and Bleeding Blue as well, so I want to give a shout-out to him. Really awesome guy. Um, here's his voicemail. 
Gentlemen, 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 this is all things Giants at Giants things. That is my Twitter handle. Um, obviously, I enjoy the show. I, I enjoy all the shows, all the content that you guys put out. Keep it up. Number 10 is gone. Number 10 is gone. Number 10 is gone. Riding off into the sunset. I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of different moments in games and all of them are worthwhile. For me, it's just the image of Eli at the end of Super Bowl 42. The confetti had fallen already and that moment where they catch him on the camera, he wipes his face, he has the hat on his head, and he looks up and he just exhales. And I, it, the emotion on his face, it was just like, it was telling. And because he was a guy who wasn't very, you know, he had the aw shucks look on his face 90% of the time, but when you see him there with that, with that image of just like, we did it. I did it. You know, the weight is, the weight is off. It's like, you reached the mountaintop. You know, so, and in New York at, at that. So, yeah, man, that's what I think about when I think about Eli, just that image of him. Again, as I said, really enjoy you guys, man. Keep it up. So what the the shot that he was referring to, guarantee you can find this in the America's Game documentary. Um, the America's Game 2007-2008, the NFL, NFL films produce America's Game for each team that wins the Super Bowl. Um, find it on demand. It's, pretty, it's, it's worth the watch if you haven't seen it, but... There's a shot of Eli where his hat is like halfway off his head. It's kind of like the brim of the hat is facing kind of the top of the um, stadium in Arizona. And he has his Super Bowl shirt on. He's on that. He's still on that stage. And he's kind of alone. Nobody, Nobody's really around him. He takes a huge breath. He wipes tears off his face as all things Giants described. And it's just... You can see that when he did take that breath, the weight of the criticism, the weight of the hate that was on him and that was on that football team, the weight of in the entire city of New York, it felt like at some points, calling for his head, that breath that he took, the weight was lifted off of his shoulders at that point. For a man that works as hard as he works day in and day out, finally was able to take that moment with himself that is something that does make me tear up and that is something that does make me emotional every time i watch it just knowing who he is as a man and how hard he works to have him have that moment classic moment glad that was brought up yeah and the way the world was on their shoulders i mean obviously at that point things have lighten up a little bit in the sense that coughlin was supposed to be fired he were calling for his head and people were not high on eli I mean, it was like Eli can't win the playoffs, and yeah, you know, I remember, I remember the announcer after the Bucks game specifically saying, you know, that Eli Manning, he uh, he grew up today, and man, he really grew up through those playoffs. And as fans, you know, like I, I hate watching the Giants in the playoffs. It is so stressful for me, and like you, you know, for us to have that like weight of the world taken off our shoulders, you know, for him, it's just unbelievable. And then he did it again, again, another four years. All right, next voicemail is uh, from uh, from Snacks, who is also a friend of the show. Hi, Snacks. Hello, boys. Um, Justin, you know I love you. 
It snacks, by the way, if you couldn't tell. Um, Bobby, big fan of yours too, my friend. You guys are doing great. I, uh, we're, we're taking Eli calls, Eli voicemails, and, um, as I hold back the tears, um, <laughs> literally, um, my favorite moment, and there's about 50,000 of them, but I'm gonna go with that game in San Francisco in 2011. That NFC Championship game where that motherfucker got Ooh. buried in the dirt every goddamn play. Any quarterback, any quarterback would would probably ask out of the game or fake an injury to get out of the game. He got up, he got up, he got up, he got up, he got up. And it never, ever stopped him. They won that game on a brilliant special teams play. But Eli Manning was the catalyst of that. He was the catalyst of so many things. I love this guy. He's my absolute hero. And any Giant fan that ever shits on Eli Manning can come speak to me. They, I will give you guys my address. If they want to come talk to me, they can come talk to me. Okay? He's the best to ever wear a Giant uniform, and I know who Lawrence Taylor is. There is no doubt in my mind. But thank you guys for taking the time. Keep killing it. I love you both. Peace. If you want Snacks' address, yeah. um... He he definitely he definitely will give it to you. <laughs> Just ask John Merrick from all the letters that he's gotten from Snacks. <laughs> Just ask for the return address. Uh, uh, obviously, thanks Nick for calling in. Yeah, man, it's he's the greatest giant to ever put a uniform on, and everyone knows how I feel about Daniel Jones and I, what I expect of him. But he, I expect Super Bowls from Daniel Jones, but I don't ever expect him to be bigger than Eli Manning. And saying that, and I just kind of had that thought for the first time. That wasn't like a plan. And saying that thought kind of gets me all like like, like teary eyed because I, I just I, Daniel Jones will never be Eli Manning. As much as I love DJ, he'll never be Eli Manning, and he's I think he'll be the most important Giant forever. Yeah, um, we're we're approaching a territory right now. These last couple years, particularly since we've won our last Super Bowl, that we're we're approaching a time where we're comparing the New York Giants and the state of this franchise to the 1970s. The 1970s were the lowest point for this franchise. Nobody, nobody can absolutely doubt that. You know, George Young obviously, well, the league stepped in, and then George Young stepped in and absolutely changed this football team for the better. Um, you know, Eli Manning was the was the guy who, who kind of the, the, that process could have happened a lot earlier. That process of the Giants being bad for a very, very long time, uh, he was the guy that kind of stopped all that from happening uh, when there was a quarterback decision to be made in 2004. So, you know, we talked about how important the position is. We talked about how important Eli Manning is to this franchise. I think Snacks calling in and saying that he is the most important uh, player this franchise has ever had. I, I feel like that's an important point to make. It's one that we act, we didn't necessarily say. Um, you know, Lawrence Taylor changed the game of football. Um, no doubt he also changed the Giants, but Eli Manning changed this franchise. He will always change this franchise um, for the better. And I really do think, hey, unless Daniel Jones can win a, can win any more Super Bowls than Eli Manning, I think Eli Manning will go down uh, in history as the greatest player uh, the Giants have ever seen and will ever have. So next voicemail, Bobby. Next voicemail. This is a good one. I like this one. And I remember when... Uh, Tiki Barber retired and said some things about Eli and then 
the very next season, you know, he goes out and beats the undefeated Patriots. And the main thing about Eli that stuck to me was the class. Um, man, he's just a class act all the way around. And I remember seeing that Patriots game, and it was one of the most intense games I've ever seen. That was actually the first um, time where the first year that my wife and I, or my girlfriend then, my wife, started dating. I remember she came over. She didn't know how big of a Giants fan I was. And she ended up leaving at halftime because I wasn't talking to her. I wasn't interested in anything she was saying. I was just focusing on the game. And I just remember those memories with Eli Manning and just ever since then. I mean, even before that, but but then on and Eli just been a class act. That's what I remember the most. And through winning, through losing, through everything he's done, I mean, he's been consistent with who he was and hasn't changed since. You know, and uh, I'm gonna miss the guy. You know, and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart knowing he's retiring, but. It's for the best. I mean, I know he's going to continue on with his TV career. We'll be able to see him more, you know, probably in the, you know, that side of things. And I'm looking forward to it. You know, I know it's not the last time we'll see Eli, you know, talking about football. So I'm excited about that. You know, just wanted to call in and just share my appreciation for Eli. You know, I uh, didn't want you to hurt your dog, you know, if I didn't call in. So <laughs> didn't want that on my conscience. So, yeah, I mean, um, it's fun. And, um, yeah, I hope you guys have a great night. Bye. Yes, Bobby Skinner did threaten his dog if more people didn't leave voicemails. Hey, they left them, so we're fine. Lucy will be fine for tonight, at least. God bless. God bless. God bless Lucy. We love Lucy. You good girl, um, Lucy. You good girl. Okay, good girl. Lucy is uh, Lucy is your informant in, to the inside the Giants organization. Yeah, she's my source. She's <laughs> she's your inside source. Um, but one of the things that I really love about these voicemails and especially episodes like this. Um, not that they come that often, but you kind of do get to hear personal stories and you kind of get to hear where like, oh, I remember this day and I was at this time at this point in my life. And this is what this is what was happening. And that's how it relates to football. That's how it relates to sports. And, you know, again, being a fan of Eli Manning wanted you wanted you to be a, a bigger fan and a better fan for the New York football giants. You felt pr- you felt proud putting on a jersey to represent this team. And uh, I actually got a DM um, from from uh, my main man, Manny. Um, who said that he didn't want to call in and message us because uh, it would have been too emotional. He would have been crying on the phone. So I do want to kind of share his story. This is part of the stuff that does get me much more emotional than actually watching a game and reliving a memory is hearing how sports and hearing how moments in sports impact people in their personal lives. That's what really gets me. So my favorite Eli memory, and this is from my main, my main man, Manny. My favorite Eli memory is that TD passed to Burris to win the Super Bowl, that ball that stayed in the air absolutely forever. My daughter, who was one at the time, shared a group hug with me and my dad. It's the only time we ever shared a group hug. My dad passed away some short time after that. Great memory for me. So, you know, the, for, for Manny, and I know for a lot of other people out there, I recently read a book on the 2007 Super Bowl, and the the fans that told their own personal stories in that book um, through Big Blue Interactive and that blog and that you know website. The stories that people tell and the like the emotional attachment that you were that you're able to put to sports and you're able to integrate that with like your everyday life, it's absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible some of these stories and some of these moments and the significance that people place, you know, on a game. You know, at the end of the day, it's a game, but obviously, as we know, and as we talk giants and as we all bleed blue, we know that it's more than that to us. Um, and hearing these stories and how Eli Manning is so much at the center of it because of how long he has been a giant, all the great things that he's done, that's what really gets me, and that's gonna be the things that I'm gonna remember him most for. 
Yeah, no doubt. Um, like you said, Justin, we all have like these w- memories that are like super personal, but they're wrapped around Eli Manning and his time with the New York Giants. So yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty cool, man. All right, Anthony, uh, uh talking Giants contributor, left a voicemail. Hey boys, it's Anthony. I'll try to make it quick, but I just want to give my thoughts on Eli Manning. Everyone probably says enough about the championships and the durability. I actually wanted to talk about when things got bad, when we lost the O-line, when we had suspect wide receivers, when we had no running game, we had no defense. This dude kept working, and it's provable in the data that he actually got better, even though the team got worse, and he never set a peep. And when he had to switch offenses to work under Ben McAdoo, what did he do? He learned it, even though that offense was for a different skill set of quarterback. And he had 4,000 yards a season, over 30 touchdowns, with a 2-to-1 touchdown interception ratio. And he never set a peep, even when things got bad, even when he got benched. And so when you look at the totality of what this man brought to New York, he's a hero. He really is in the sports sense. And he belongs on that Mount Rushmore because it is very hard to win in New York, and he did it with class and dignity. And I don't think you can say much more about him uh, than he makes people crazy, and I love that. And so when he would throw the crazy pass, well, guess what? That led to the greatest play in Super Bowl history. And when he wasn't getting too high and he wasn't getting jacked up, well, he also wasn't getting too low either, and you always felt like you had a chance with him. And so I just want to say thank you to Eli Manning. I want to say thank you to all the fans who have been fighting back all the trolls. And I do want to say thank you to you guys for putting on a great show. And, uh, you know, I hope everyone has a chance in a few years to really reflect on what this guy did uh, because I know his teammates know that, and I think sometimes we fans forget it. So thank you guys and talk soon. Yeah. Like you said, like Anthony said, a lot of highs and lows and, like, his willingness to, to like, just – be the same stoic, cold-blooded dude throughout all of this. People aren't built that way. Human beings are not built that way. Like it's very rare when you find people like that. I could never do that. The highs are high for me, and the lows are low. You guys see that? Just by the way, I act on a stupid website. And Eli Manning was the QB of the New York Football Giants in the biggest media market in the world, and just never let never let the highs get too high, never let the lows get too low. Just had that stoic, like, all right, did I throw an interception? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm still going to sling it. I'm still going to send it. I'm Eli. It, it's uh, it's hard to find that. I, I rewatched parts of that 2006 comeback that the Giants had um, in Philadelphia. You know, Eagles were, can't remember how much they were up by, but I do remember that the Eagles had a 94% win probability at some point early in that fourth quarter, and then the Giants wind up forcing that game to overtime and then that huge uh, throw to Plaxico Burris, <laughs> that that was just a huge loft, by the way. That, that looks like, if you look at that throw from a technical point of view, oh, that was terrible. Terrible throw. The fact that Plaxico was able to come down with it, he finished in the end zone, um, and then he yelled, a, he yelled an expletive in the end zone. He said, get that bleep out of here, and he threw that ball into the stadium in Philadelphia. Uh, great moment, great moment. But, uh, you know, Anthony brings up a good point, and we kind of we said in a previous voicemail, too, for the fact that you don't have Eli without his boneheaded plays. There is no Eli Manning and the way that you reflect on his career without his boneheaded plays. But the, the other side to that, and Anthony said this, the other side to that is, well, with these boneheaded plays and these boneheaded risks he would take, they worked out. 
they ultimately worked out. The fact that he was able to stand in there and make those risks, take those risks, never broke from them, says a lot about who he is as a football player, says a lot about who he is as a man, and it's things that we've echoed all throughout this episode. But that was a good point for Anthony, kind of contextualizing what we were talking about earlier, too. So, uh, yeah, let's let's go on to the two Katie's from the real football fans of New Jersey. Friends of the show. So many friends of the show calling in. Big time. Hey, this is Katie from the Real Football Fans of New Jersey podcast. I just wanted to leave a thank you for Eli Manning. Um, Eli became the Giants quarterback when I was just in the eighth grade. I'm now 30 years old, so it's safe to say that I grew up watching Eli as our quarterback, and I can't really imagine Giants football without him. Um, As a Giants fan, I feel like we always felt it was our duty to defend him, and I know a lot of people have been critical about him throughout his career, but what I always like to argue is if your team or your franchise uh, could draft a quarterback and let's say he starts 16 seasons, never misses a game due to injury, wins your team two Super Bowls, um, is a Super Bowl MVP two times, and mixed in between, you are going to have some bad seasons, but would you still take that deal? And absolutely, you would. So what Eli's given to Giants fans is something we can never repay him for, and he's done so much for the team, the organization, the game of football, and uh, his community, and I'll just always be grateful for him and just love him. You're a legend, Eli, and thank you so much. Hello, Talking Giants. This is Caitlin Brower from the Real Football Fans of New Jersey. I know you already heard from my co-host, Katie Lipkin. I mean, sorry, Katie Gagliardi. Please don't play that. She'll kill me. <laughs> um, it's her married name. Um, but I honestly just wanted to call in about Eli Manning and just share how much I really do love him. Um, we hosted our podcast last night. and We did a segment on Eli. Um, there's really not, there's not enough hours in the day. Am I right? I could talk about him for the rest of my life, and I could be living for 100 years. I it There's really nothing bad to say about him. I think um, the best memory of him is just him. In general, he was an outstanding leader on and off the field um, with all of his philanthropic work, um, being on the field as an actual captain to the New York Giants. Um, never missed a game due to injury. I just to think about how strong you need to be for 16 seasons to never sit out and not start a game because of an injury, think of that. Guys uh, made feels like Iron Man. Um, I just love his positive attitude. You know, I would have done extremely well on a team with him. I would do extremely well if he was my boss in an office setting. He just truly is what you want in a friend, a brother, a son, um, a significant other, anything like that. A friend, I guess, already. Um, but just, it's, it's going to be so difficult to not see him on the sideline. I hope that he still gets involved in the Giants organization some way, somehow. I know he doesn't want to coach, but, you know, showing up, maybe helping Daniel Jones when he can, um, any other future QBs as well. But, like I said, there's just not enough hours in the day. I could, I could talk about him for a hundred years straight. And I truly just want to say thank you because, he is my quarterback, and he has been my quarterback, and he always will be. And I can't wait. I always said I will get an Eli Manning jersey once he retires. So um, after probably noon tomorrow, which when we make a press conference, I think that's the time I will be 
purchasing an Eli Manning jersey, and I will proudly wear it for the rest of my life. So thank you, guys. I hope you have a great show tonight. First, you got to get the thank you Eli shirts. They're going to be on the store. And I want to say something. I want to say something about the people who say, oh, you know, showing up is lucky, blah, blah, like like not missing a game due to injury. Oh, it's luck. Um, Cough, cough, Toucan Sam from PFF. Uh, (laughs) Do you remember 07, Super Bowl year, Justin? Week one, separated shoulder. It's supposed to be out close to a month. I remember because at that point, Justin, I didn't. I still remember what it was like to have a QB to, you know, not play every single game ever. And it's like, oh, Eli's hurt. And it's his first injury to start the season. And homeboy was playing next week. Next week, if he doesn't play through that, Justin, we probably don't make the playoffs and we don't win a Super Bowl. So to say that that doesn't mean anything. My gosh, are you wrong? What a horrible take to say that that doesn't mean anything. If it's not for that, he doesn't have that Super Bowl. The beating he took at San Fran, the beating he took, people just, it seems like people have a selective memory of the last couple of years. My man took a beating. And I bet you there's a lot of stuff we didn't know about. So to say that he just, that's luck, get the out of here i i was very close to using my first f-bomb mm. on the show mm. it's revisionist history not. bobby it's it's revisionist history um they're doing the same thing with jeter uh i i genuinely do think that history is going to smile is going to smile upon eli manning i think the debate will be brought up after hopefully he's elected to the pro football hall of fame but I think the first Katie kind of said it best. Uh, she uh, first Katie, you know, she. Damn, you're just saying first Katie says it better than second. Well, Katie? I'm about Brutal. I'm about to get to what Caitlin. First of all, Kate, it's Caitlin. It's Katie and Caitlin. So you have to get it right here, Bobby Skinner. But Katie um, basically said what I was echoing in the first part of the show, um, except she said it in a lot more concise and a lot better manner than I did. Um, and what I'm what I actually thought of while Caitlin was talking in terms of s- trying to stay connected to the Giants, where Eli has absolutely made clear in a few different interviews that being on the bench this year has convinced him that he does not want to be a coach, which I found to be kind of funny. But I'm possibly thinking, now I don't know how the J Fund is connected to the Coughlin family, but is there a possibility, and I'm asking you this and you probably have no information, I don't have any information of this, but here, instead of asking this, I'll say, how cool would it be if Eli took over the J fund, man, that would, he, he's going to be involved. No doubt. And I know, uh, Eli's got his own stuff. I don't, I don't see him taking over, but he's definitely going to be involved. Cause that's still what binds the Tom Coughlin to the organization, like that J fund and the J fund, you know, Coughlin really, st- I don't know if he started it, but it really became famous. Cause again, everything becomes famous in New York. Everything is amplified in New York, really became famous in New York. He really did it consistently in New York, really did great things with it in New York. Um, and Eli has always been a part of the J fund in some way, but I would think that would be really, really cool. Um, you know, if Coughlin could kind of pass the torch to Eli in that regard and Eli can kind of take that over and continue the great work that he's done because it's both, you know, dealing with, you know, kids, kids who have cancer and stuff like that. Uh, I think that would be really great work. I think that'd be really cool to see, you know, again, because of the connection that they have. So I don't know. That was just the thought of what's next for Eli. Um, I don't know if I hear him necessarily on TV because if you hear him talk, if you hear him in a press conference or if you hear him when he's talking to beat reporters, 
the um problem that Eli Manning has every sentence. And Daniel Jones does the same thing, by the way, which is what makes both of them so at least their person. It seems like their personality wise and how they deal with the New York media. It seems it seems to be like they're so similar. But I don't know. Eli doesn't seem like the best talker. He would need to work on like how he, you know, in, in his delivery. He's not going to do it. No, you. I don't really think. I don't He's think so. I don't think so. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. Money talks. But we were talking about Hall of Fame. Andrew Owens, friend of the show, uh, longtime John Boy Media supporter. So thank you, Andrew Owens. He leaves a voicemail. He's going to be talking a little bit about uh, Hall of Fame. Hey, guys. Um, Andrew Owens here. Uh, first off, I think the Hall of Fame gets taken way too seriously, and it shouldn't be based on all of the mistakes that have been made in the past uh, in all sports. Uh, I think yes for Eli, because in 2011, he wasn't just a hot quarterback. He was an MVP caliber player that won a Super Bowl from the position that has the most control of winning a Super Bowl. But I don't think the people that say no should be crapped on because I do think there is plenty of data out there to show and, you know, a lot of high context data that tells you that 2011 Eli was only in 2011. We didn't see that in other years. And if that's a criteria for you saying that his peak was too short, then that's fine. I, I totally get it. I personally think yes, but those people should not be crapped on. I'm I'm sorry, and Bobby's probably going to disagree with this because of what Eli meant to him, and same with you, Justin, and you know other people whose opinions I value, but that's just how I feel. Sorry. But uh, I love Eli. I love 2011. I love everything about that year. Uh, thanks, guys. Now, I can't disagree with Andrew Owens because people that are actually coming out and saying that this is the reason why in a, you know, in a, in a sound and logical way that I don't think Eli Manning should be a Hall of Famer. Fine. You can't argue that. Sure. I mean, is the timing of it all? I don't like the timing. I would rather just take this week, celebrate Eli Manning like I've been saying this entire show. But the people that are coming out and comparing Eli Manning to Mark Sanchez, to Trent Dilfer a glorified version of Joe Flacco. Those are the people that can go eat crow. You know, and I think what, I think possibly Andrew Owens would agree with that. Um, You know, uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth. People that do that are dickheads. I don't care about saying that on this podcast right now. Yeah. People um, that are like, like, oh, he's Alex Smith. He's Joe Flacco. He's Nick Foles with an extra ring, which by the way, saying an extra ring, like you don't even realize that you're saying what a stupid thing to do. Again, revisionist history. And if your reaction to a guy who's played 16 years, who started all of the games in a row, won two Super Bowls, played in the biggest market in the sport media market in the world, is to go and just like start trashing a guy. I think that speaks more about. I think that speaks about you. It just, I really do. I think you're a weird person. I think you're insecure, and I think that you, you know what? It's 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 click driven because talking about Eli Manning and saying does he get in the Hall of Fame against interaction, and that's some people's game. That's never going to be my game. I always just want to put out good stuff, put out something. If I think if it's funny, I want to put a joke out. But to just put stuff out like that, I mean, it's silly. It's, it's a joke, and I think you're a joke, and it, it makes me lose respect for people like that. It's like I, it's just it's just a weird thing to do. Instead of like at least remembering a good career, you just flat out can't say anything like nice about the yeah. guy. 
It's just a weird thing to do. And and you can tell these people don't believe in their stupid-ass arguments by the way they reach. If you needed an argument, you don't reach. You don't say that he's Vinny Testaverde. I mean, come on. Get, like, yeah. It's just a joke. It's it's cherry-picking. It's like, okay, when it's, when it's this stat, he's this guy. When he's this stat, he's that guy. Well, guess what? You can't pull out everything. The total numbers, the starts in a row. The times when he was elite, the two Super Bowls, it all comes together for a Hall of Fame player. It's just cherry picking. And it's just, it seems like I just don't get it. Like I said earlier, like, would we have done this with Troy Aikman? Now, maybe we would have. But my gosh, it's kind of brutal that we do this in sports now, where it's like we're just always looking to tear down. I mean, people see it with MJ to like the play, people who didn't watch MJ play tear down MJ. It's just like weird. It's like, why don't you just say, LeBron, like, and I love LeBron. Why don't you just say LeBron is a, was a really amazing player? Like, you can argue who's better, but it's like the LeBron side tears down MJ, and the MJ side tears down LeBron. Where it's like they're two really good players. It's just I hate that part of where like sports talk has come now, where it's just you got to tear down great athletes. It just doesn't make sense to me. You know, in terms of the Hall of Fame, I think what you ultimately have to do is you have to measure value um, and you have to or n- not even me- measure it like put a statistical number on it, but evaluate how much value did Eli Manning bring to this franchise? It, I-, I think that's a fair question. Dude, the Giants went two Super Bowls without Eli Manning with Kerry Collins, who was a pretty a pretty decent quarterback. No. Are they as relevant and making the playoffs like they do from 2005 to 2012? No. No. So to say that he was just an average QB is silly, naive, and cherry. And also, you can't do the next you can't ignore. Now. Well, you can't. One final point, and we didn't say this. You can't ignore how Jerry Reese, John Mara, and Ben. You know, partially Ben McAdoo because Ben McAdoo brainwashed Eli Manning to. You know, I granted Eli Manning had a thirty interception season the season before Ben McAdoo came along. So I guess you can't. You know, again, you know, you're you're trying to. Nit, nitpick the dis- past decisions that have been made, but Ben McAdoo changed the way that Eli Manning played the game football by the fact that, you know, in- instinctively trying to, instead of being a quarterback that holds on to the ball and looks downfield, just get the ball out of your hands, get the ball out of your hands, get the ball out of your hands. John Mayer and Jerry Reese failed Eli Manning. The Giants organization failed Eli Manning in the latter part of his career, in the part of his career, career where he still had many, many good productive years. 2012? Eli Manning was still pretty damn good. He was coming off a season where he was a top five quarterback in the National Football League. There were times, Bobby, you were telling me about a first take segment that you were watching in 2012 where they were talking about how Eli Manning is still top five quarterback in the National Football League. That was 2012. 2014, he had a revitalized year under Ben McAdoo's offense. 2015, that 2015 team breaks my heart breaks my absolute heart because of how close they were to being a pretty good football team record-wise, but terrible, terrible roster. That defense was so, so bad. Freaking Robert Ayers, Yawani Unga was like our starting linebacker. Wasn't Brandon Merriweather assigned as like a training camp signing and he was our starting safety the entire season? That uh, Ruben Randall was our number two wide receiver? Are you kidding me? Ruben Randall has like 20 touchdown catches in his, in his t- entire career with Eli Manning. That's a decent amount. Ruben Randall wasn't shit after he, oh, excuse me, wasn't anything after he left the Giants. So, you know, you want you want to talk about how Eli Manning is not a Hall of Famer. You got to look at what was around him and you got to look at the management that was around him too and the fact that he sustained all of that. And I've been a critic of him despite 
the things that the franchise has done to fail him, but you also have to consider that. And the fact that Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger have for their almost their entire careers have had much better talent around them. So that's it. We're going to play our final voicemail. We're going to wrap up. We're going to be happy. Uh, thanks for listening. If you're still listening at this point, God bless you. Yeah. Hey, yeah. It's Vincent Zoller. And uh, my Eli moment that always sticks out to me was in 2012 where he's facing the Bucks. Sitting there at the bar, Giants fans complaining because Eli just thrown three interceptions before the half. They were saying, how did these bums just win the Super Bowl? How are they doing this? And I sat there calmly and said, as long as number 10 is on the field, you never know what's going to happen. He comes out, lights it up, finishes the game with over 500 yards and three touchdowns, wins, of course. And uh, Eli just did it for me. Uh, I got drafted when I was in high school, and my life changed dramatically, but the results been one constant. Grew up watching Eli Manning. That's it. Take care, guys. Yeah, I think that sums it up. It's like he's a huge part of all of our lives for 16 years. And, and you know, like I said, those who haven't had kids yet and, and will have, we're going to tell them about Eli Manning. We're going to tell them about these throws. Like, they, you know, I, I, I tell you what, Justin, I can't wait to listen to this podcast five years from now. I think I think we need to make it like a yearly thing uh, that we listen to this podcast. Um. Because it's just going to refresh memories. I know it went super long, longest podcast by far, but I, Eli Remaining, our hero, only retires once, Justin. Amen, Bobby Skinner. Amen. So is is that is that it? Did we did we did, are we done with our two hour podcast? We're gonna we're gonna either you're listening to this before Eli Manning speaks on Friday, uh, or you're listening after. Uh, but know that we. Have not, you know, we're recording this on Thursday. We have not heard him speak. Uh, we have not heard him uh, hysterically cry on that cry. on that uh, on that podium. In a way, I kind of I kind of don't even want to end this. I feel like there's still a bunch of things and stories that we haven't touched on. We, there's definitely a bunch of things we haven't touched on. But uh, yeah, I think I'm just delaying the inevitable here, Bobby. All right, so let's talk about Mark Columbus. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, that's the show. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate Eli Manning. We'll get back to regular stuff on Monday. Enjoy this. Don't, you know, obviously we're going to get into the little spats, but enjoy this. Enjoy Eli Manning. Savor the press conference. Enjoy the tears. We appreciate you guys. Until then, let's go, Eli Manning. Oh my gosh. <coughs> no, I'm not editing a thing. <coughs> <coughs> <coughs>